Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are watching Off the Track, and it is time to drop the hammer. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to episode number 16 of Off the Track here for another Wednesday show. I'm your host, Tanner Holmes, and to my left, I have my best friend and co-host, Bennett Gooch. Bennett, how have you been lately? We're doing good. Uh, second podcast episode of The Trip, and uh, we've just been making content, so uh, we're just hanging out. Absolutely, yeah. So Bennett came up earlier this week. You guys saw episode number 15 last week, and today we have a super fun, kind of relaxed, laid-back episode planned out for you. We are actually going to be telling the story of how we got involved with dirt track racing and specifically how we got started. Because I know we both have uh, interesting stories. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know my dad got me into it, and I think your dad got you into it as yes. well. And uh, they just both come from different backgrounds, and it'll be cool to talk about that. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about every single detail of that story. Before we get into that, one of the main things to kind of mention here on the show is some of the additions to the studio. We told you guys that we were going to keep you updated every single time we add something. Mm -hmm. One of the things you guys saw in episode 15, but for anybody that missed it, yep. the trophy that is now behind Bennett... Yep, the Enduro Trophy at Mountain Valley Speedway. That was definitely a fun one, so I'm glad we got to add that to the studio. And uh, we've got some other cool things added, like behind you. Yes, yeah, so the second thing we have right behind to my right, uh, one of my old suits, actually not super old, I believe it was from about 2018, so just a couple of years ago, but that was like my first ever custom suit, and one of the, I guess, the quick funny things about that was we had this suit made right, and I don't know if it was just a growing time, bad timing, whatever, but we measured it. I got it, and it fit fairly good from Simpson, yeah. but we ended up having to send it back because there was one small issue, and then I got to wear it for a couple months, but I just grew so fast that... You know, it was only, it was only oh, good yeah. for a little period of time and, you know, already on to the next one. So definitely wanted to save that because that's kind of where our TH logo signature, which I'm going to try to continue throughout my whole career on the front chest. So when I'm walking around, you see that logo and I don't think really anyone else had that on their suit. So yeah. we kind of tried to do something different. And now a couple other drivers are following that trend. So love to have the TH on there. That was the second thing that we added to the studio. Um, the third, oh, go ahead. A real quick mention, a funny thing about suits is, uh, you know, you're talking about that growing thing. Uh, I can't even order a suit that's like, you know, from the website that's like maybe a large or something like that, because when you're six foot three, <laughs> nothing fits right. And then, like you say, you order it um, custom fitted and then you're either growing or it's off by a little bit. And that's something I struggle with. Yep. So if you guys struggle with that, comment down below, because, you know, when you're just oddly shaped, all legs yeah. and arms, it's a little weird. Yeah. Well, you're just at that period where like, you know, you yeah. can't go size by size because it just it just doesn't work. Right. So that was our second edition. The third, which you can't see in the camera frame, but it's all around the room. We ordered 60 feet of LED lights, right? Yep, yep. LED lights. It was Bennett's idea. And I'm not going to lie. I was kind of skeptical just because, I don't know, in my room, I never had like any cool lights. It just wasn't yeah. against it. I just was like, oh, what's what's the point? Yeah, yeah. Well, Bennett decided to order some. They were cheap. And man, it's really, really cool. Yeah. It's bright. It's right around the top corner and it goes all the way around the studio. Mm -hmm. We can change from multiple different colors, green, blue, red, white, whatever we want. And then also, you know, there's other buttons that make them fade in and out yep. or flash or anything like that. So that was addition number three. 
the fourth one, something small, but we added, um, we're starting a little Hot Wheels collection. This yeah. was your idea. Yeah, I uh, I like collecting Hot Wheels. Like, you know, I go through the store and I see Hot Wheels. I'm like, those are sick. Like, I always do. And I've always had, like, at home, I have a bin full from when I was little and stuff. So I was like, you know what? Why don't we just start? Because, like, I always go to the store and see something cool and I just grab one and they're cheap. So, uh, everyone I grab, we'll just start putting it on the shelf till we have a full shelf and we got to do something. Yeah. Like and it. we have this shelf and it has so many different levels to it. So we kind of need to find something for each of them. So yeah. we figured that would kind of take up one of those levels. And then the last thing that we added is actually our 18 T wing panel from the factory QRC number 18 T for the 2021 red bluff outlaw season. I actually, I guess it was from 20 or the end of 2020 when I uh, flipped there in my heat race yeah. and the right side panel came off. And when one of our guests, Kyler Shaw, came up from Northern California, he brought it with him and it's just kind of been here in the studio. So that is uh, actually about right up that direction. And it's kind of covering some of the LED lights for those to kind of glow behind it. So yeah. we are going to be keeping you guys updated as we add new things uh, because it's just so cool. We want we literally want this studio to be packed full have the walls covered with yep. different logos, suits, memorabilia, and maybe possibly we were talking, you know, as we have different guests, if they have small pieces yep. of history from their career or, you know, like a, a wing panel or something we could add to kind of just, you know, really uh, diverse this place. Yeah. And we've got two things actually we got um, that we mentioned in a prior podcast, the sign that was made up there for us by, uh, yes. by Damien. And uh, we also have the Steve Kinzer wing that we now have hung up the front wing from Steve Kinzer. So uh, it's pretty cool to see people bringing us stuff and, you know, putting it around here looks pretty good. Yeah. And I think one thing to kind of mention that we didn't say a couple episodes ago with the, uh, with the banner that we hung up from Damien mm -hmm. was my mom was giving us flack because we hung it up inside the studio, but she yeah. was saying we need to hang it up on the outside wall. So like when we walk in and guests walk in, yeah. you know, that's where they get the welcome. So we might kind of change that around, but to kind of dive into today's episode, how we got started in dirt track racing, my story, I guess we'll just kind of get right into it. My story was a uh, unique in a way because I think one thing we could both say, well, yours is actually probably a little bit different, but mm -hmm. my parents weren't racers. So right. the fact that I ended up being a dirt track racer at all is kind of crazy because well, the chances weren't very high. We're both first generation racers. actually. Yes. So my dad never raced. My mom never raced. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was more the fact of circumstances and just how it all kind of played out they ended up that I ended up behind the seat of a of a race car and it all kind of took place in about 2008 so I was five years old at the time and I actually, I made a whole YouTube video on it, but my story wasn't really straight. I, it was yeah. funny after I made it, a couple people were like, no, this is kind of what happened, you know? And so this is going to be the accurate version. I guess you, you could say in the podcast, the long form. So it's 2008. I, I just kind of started playing a couple of sports like soccer yeah. and I think T-ball or baseball at the time. So the interest was there to be athletic you know, but I never thought about being a race car driver. I mean, for you, did you feel like, you know, around five or six was when you kind of got that, that spark? Yeah, that's uh five or six. I started when I was five. And I think at the time that was the only sport I was playing. I think maybe shortly after I got into uh, cross country, but my only sport was racing. And that's all I really knew from my dad. Gotcha. Yeah. So like for myself, it started in 2008 and I just, I didn't really know a whole lot about what I wanted to do, but I do kind of remember, you know, one thing that was always on the TV was NASCAR yeah. and like the nationwide series or that, that's what it was called at the time. Crazy how yeah. time flies. Now it's the Xfinity series, yeah. but the nationwide series and trucks a little bit. 
and you know the cup series yeah uh and i think back then they had like the car of tomorrow and all this it's, all, it's just insane how time yeah. changes but uh we got started and my dad just always kind of had the nascar thing playing on the tv and i think they had went to a couple of like dirt track races in the past so yeah. my mom on her side uh she talked a lot about being down from monterey california you know she had went to ocean a little bit you know i think when she was younger yeah. but not a lot more like just like a fun thing to go and, and yeah. try out not as a fan really just to go see what it's about yeah and so she had went to the races a little bit my dad had went to sonoma or infineon yep. I think at the point at or at the time he went, it was called Sears Point. Even Sears Point, yeah. So he went down there and raced, or not raced. He watched the races a little bit, and so there was just like that fan kind of, you know, being a, a little bit of a fan of the sport, yeah. But just you know, not really sure what's going on. Just like just to like go and do something and be yeah. at an event. So I did not come from a family of racers. That's kind of their background on it. But we got started and actually my dad had a buddy that he was working with through his business and there was a customer. Well, the customer happened to have a couple of outlaw carts, old outlaw carts, not like brand new. Yeah. I don't even know if they were QR. I don't even think they were I think QR. my first outlaw car was an SKE, I think. Oh, okay, gotcha. It was old. Mine might have been a homemade chassis. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, it was not anything too fancy. It was a very old outlaw cart. So anyway, this guy had this outlaw cart and my dad's friend, whose name was Bob, I know he's going to be pumped I mentioned his name because I did it in that one video. He, he, he was the one that set this story straight. So my dad's friend, Bob, he uh, was, you know, the one that kind of convinced my dad, like, hey, you should get Tanner involved in racing. You should try it out. Like, yeah. this would be something fun for the family. And I think one of the, the things, too, was, like, if it doesn't work, we'll just, just sell the car. You know, it's not yeah. a big deal. I don't think the car was very expensive or how, however we acquired it. We might yeah. have even... My dad might have even like traded a little bit of work with this customer for the car is what happened. Yeah. Because uh, I think when I first told the story, it was like it was on the side of the road, which in a way it was. But anyway, uh, so we acquired this car and it was like an old QRC and it had a purple top wing and orange body. It was not a very pretty looking cart. And I just remember it had an old Briggs and Stratton thing that you kind of like you had the little machine to start it up and whatnot and that's just how kart racing was back then it wasn't you know yeah. super fancy kind of like to where it's sat today where you know there is like i guess more more money involved in the sport which is a good thing but yeah you know it was just at a different spot and in here in southern oregon it was actually more popular then than it was today so got racing and i remember we went to the southern oregon speedway for the first time like yeah. went out to the track just to watch and we met a couple of people we were walking through the pit area you know i i didn't know what i was getting into yeah. I actually always joke, and this is this is dead serious. I thought when I first got into kart racing that like I was in a lower form of NASCAR. Like you know, I'm five years old. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I legit think I was good. I was starting the truck series, or I thought we were gonna have pit lane. <laughs> like you know, I did not know anything about yeah. dirt racing. I was I'd only watched asphalt. So anyway, go to my first race, and I remember we met these people uh, called the Fosters, and that's not the same Fosters from down in California. Um, yeah. Their name was actually the driver's name was Bartley Foster, and I think the dad was Bart Foster, and somehow we met them and i think it was because actually like i gotten a bloody nose it's weird i was in oh, the pit yeah. area i had a bloody nose and that, those were the people that helped us in the pits and there was a couple of them in a group so we became friends with them talked with them and they actually you know said hey when you guys come to your first race you can pit next to us you know whatever yeah. so we ended up being friends with them the first couple of years in karting while we were racing there at the southern oregon speedway and i just remember my first race you know obviously i was slow we went there and I just, I didn't know what to expect, you know, and I think my parents, the funniest part 
is, you know, they, I wouldn't say they were like getting mad at me, but they didn't get why I wasn't fast. You know, yeah. they were typical <laughs> box stock parents. Well, yeah, so. you see all these other kids that have kind of been doing it a little bit longer and you're like, hey, why is my kid not doing that? Is there yeah. something wrong, you know? And I think that's where it's so relatable for parents, you know, to kind of be that way. Like, you know, why, why is my kid not fast? Why is he not stepping on the gas? And yeah. there's even some old videos that my mom has because we've, we've videoed like everything. Yeah. Doesn't mean we necessarily have the footage because it was on old, old camcorders, you know, from the stands. And my mom wasn't even the videographer. It was her friend, Beth, which is now actually married to Bob. So Bob and Beth uh, are family friends. They got me into it. But Beth was the filmer and she had to film because my mom literally couldn't. She would yeah. shake too bad. <laughs> like the camera, you know, is it's that. And yeah. so in, in camcorders were not as good back then to where, you know, maybe if you're shaking a little bit, the camera has stabilization or something to help you. So mm -hmm. anyway, got started. I wasn't very quick. And I just remember the first night, one of the things I vividly like it was yesterday was uh, going into turn one. The Southern Oregon Speedway had no wall, which was a good thing. But I remember I like flew off the track. I drove off into one. And instead of just like driving, you know, staying, I thought I had to stop. So yeah, uh, like I was NASCAR, like I was spun out. So I just stopped there and they threw the yellow and they came out and got me and they, you know, keep going, keep going. Yeah. So that was like the one thing I remember was wrecking or you could say wrecking and, uh, you know, keeping, keeping going and finishing the A main event. But I got lapped a couple of times. There was actually some pretty fast kids. But uh, obviously, it took me a whole season to really get up to speed. Yeah. And I think I won my first race at the end of like my first or second season. Yeah. But it was um, it, it was like a weird non-points race or whatever at the end. So it took me a while. And it was just one of those things of like, you know, trying to... It, it's a lot harder for a kid than you would think, especially when they have no background at all. You know, I think, oh, yeah. if, I think if my dad was a racer and I was used to watching him or, you know, just being in that atmosphere, you know, it's way different. I think I would have been way faster, oh, but yeah, absolutely. just, I didn't have anyone to look up to. And I had parents that wanted to quit after a couple races. Cause I was the slowest kid on the track. So yeah. it's just crazy where, where it kind of goes to. So after that first season, I got that win and that was a confidence booster. Cause I remember some of the kids I was racing around, not even, not even sure if they're going to listen to this podcast, but there was like a, a, a SpongeBob car. Yeah. There was, let's see, there was a, another kid that was number 19. I think his name was Connor. So that was one of the other drivers. But it's just crazy, you know, going from that and also where the Southern Oregon Speedway was, because that's my local track. We're located here right outside of Metford. That's where, you know, our shop is. That's where we live. I've born and raised here. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like our home track. And at the time, you know, that, that was the place to race on Friday nights. And then yeah. there was other tracks that they could run at on Saturday. So it's kind of unfortunate that kids don't have that same situation now, really, for like getting into outlaw carts and whatnot. But then after we started running the Southern Oregon Speedway and, you know, all that happened of like my dad and his friend Bob, you know, getting the car and getting me out to the track for the first time. And, and those guys literally right there with me. Yeah. And I think another thing to know, because, and I know uh, you'll, you'll have a, another take on this as well. Yeah. My first trailer, we had talked about this in a couple episodes ago. We actually, we had a snowmobile trailer. Yeah. So that was our first trailer that we took to the races and there was no cabinets in it at all no cabinets there was just like some rubber on the ground for where the snowmobiles were supposed to be so in my first couple of races my friend a lot of my friends came out to support me because it's like the thing like yeah oh my buddy's racing you know but like not no one ever actually thought like you know this kid may be going to keep racing it's just like yeah it, it just it'd be like me going to my buddy's football game like it's the same thing yeah and uh, a couple of my friends and i remember we had so much food snacks for everyone coolers whatever but no cabinets i don't think we had a lot of spare parts it was just like 
put air in your tires and go yeah. and just go out there and, and see what happens. If you hit something, you hit something. I don't think I tore up. Well, I did tear up a little bit because, you know, here I have to say in a minute, but, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of spare stuff and we just kind of went out there and raced. And one of the main things, you know, you, as you can relate, my parents always buckled me in, you know, obviously I didn't do my belts. I just remember like I had a, a little spine seat, we call them just yeah. one of the little, maybe they're, Kirk, I had the same thing, maybe Kirky brand or something, but you have one of those and, you know, put, I had a, I didn't have like a Hans. Yeah. I had a, like some sort of head and neck restraint, but it went all the way down my back and it kind of came up between my legs and it was like a, 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 a second crotch belt that kind of, yeah. that's how it, uh, latched in. So that's fancy. I just had a donut. Yeah. Well, so it was weird. So my head and neck restraint also had a donut with it. It was weird. So, yeah. uh, so I had my donut on, you know, which not a lot of people run anymore, you know, which is a good thing. Cause you know, they're not as safe as the current Hans or hybrid that we yeah. now have today. And they offer, but anyway, uh, you know, and those plugged right into my helmet and my dad would always, you know, strap me in and, and do my visor and do everything in my, uh, my chin strap and stuff. So yep. I just remember, man, those, those were kind of the days of getting started. And it's just so funny to see how my parents, you know, were the, were the box stock mom, were the box stock dad, yeah. um, you know, thinking their kid was going to be so good. But, um, I guess to kind of end my story of getting started that first race, the second race was pretty similar. I do actually remember in my second race, there was um, a kid that I'm still friends with today. His name's Gabe Nelson, and he had a car, and he was running, I think, second or third in the A main event, or maybe, I don't know, at some point we were passing him, and I was actually running up front because I ran in the back on my first race, but yeah. my second race, I was up front because I, I think I just had a good pill, and I just ended up not being too bad, yeah. but I couldn't pass this one car. I couldn't pass this one car. So I'm riding around slow behind this one car and everyone is just past, but you know, it's just like the typical yeah. starting move. So I just couldn't get past this one kid. And, uh, so that was kind of my second race. And then my third race, I ended up flipping nine times. Oh, so that was, uh, that's my story of getting started and how I flipped nine times was I actually just got a little high off of uh, turn four at Southern Oregon. Cause that was the place we were racing. Yeah. And this other kid was coming on the track so he thought that when he spun out, he would have to, uh, you know, go off the track. Like I'm talking at Southern Oregon, here's like the, the, the wall you go off this way and you come on over here. So yeah. it's like a complete circle. So he drove all the way off the track and they still let him on the track. He went all the way through staging after he wrecked Yeah, and you know, he was a beginner as yeah, well. Right. He drove on the track Well, I had got too high and I actually have some footage of it that I played in a video before, but I just, I mean, they barely caught it. Cause my mom, I think dropped the camera, but you know, just KO'd the wall and then KO'd him and we both wrecked. So I flipped nine times and that was kind of my introduction to, yeah. uh, to dirt track racing. So what a, what a fun, what a fun turn of events. And then after that, we just, we, we became racers and, you know, my parents kind of learned how to handle it and kind of be a coach in a way, even though they had never raced. And yeah. you just talk to people, you make friends, lifelong friends, and you know, you, you just, you're hooked. It, it just, yeah. that's just how it goes. Yeah. Mine's a, a little bit different, kind of the same. Um, so I definitely, my parents never raced, but my dad was a huge race fan. So like same thing, you know, watching all the races on TV and whatnot. And he had some buddies that raced. I think he was talking about racing with um, a close friend of his and uh, they had like a van that you would race on a road course, I think at Willows or something. And he rode with him or something like that. So that's about all the racing experience he had. And then he got the opportunity when he was in Vegas for the NFR uh, he was at an event or he was out at the shop when Michael gone owned, um, the truck team for Brennan, uh, the Orleans racing team and Steve park drove and all that stuff. 
uh, we might have to get him on the podcast, talk about how he fell into this position. Yeah. But anyways, uh, he got an opportunity to go um, pit on the truck team. So he went and pitted on a truck team for a couple races. And so uh, that's about all the racing experience he had. And then when I was five, he uh, got out of uh, pitting with them because he wanted me to start racing. And so I really never, um, I don't think I ever told him like, Hey, I want to go race. It was just something we watched and stuff like that. So, uh, all I knew was going to horse shows on the weekends with my mom and then riding rodeo, just being down there messing around as a little kid and a short career of riding a sheep one time in a show. <laughs> and that was it because I was over it. And so, uh, he got out and we went down to Red Bluff. I do remember this. Uh, we went down to Red Bluff as me, him and my mom after a horse show, I believe. And we watched the out Red Bluff outlaws. And, uh, he was like, do you want to do that? And I was like, heck yeah, let's do it. So, um, a couple weeks later, my dad shows up at home with a cart in the back of his truck. And I know he always says this, my mom was pissed. She wasn't happy about it at all. So uh, I think that might be a little bit different. Your mom wanted you to go race. Kind my of mom, in a way. I, yeah. think, I think my mom was like worried. It, it's tough because yeah. like I could totally see as a parent, you know, like, like your kid's going to be behind the <laughs> wheel of a vehicle. Yeah. And like most five-year-olds probably, especially when there's there's no known, known of racing at all. Because right. like, you know, we have to learn what the flags mean, you know, when to slow down, Everything. not to just yeah. go wide open into other kids because it's funny. You know? Yeah. So uh, she was not happy about it, but. We got this car all together and everything, and I don't even know what chassis it was. I think we still have it um, back at the house. So uh, the thing is sitting in the race car graveyard, as we call it, out behind the shop, the factory SBR shop. So uh, we got that thing all tuned up, him and my grandpa, and uh, I think my uncle uh, helped out with that. And uh, I remember going into my first race. It's kind of hard to look back on because I don't remember it too well. But, but it was I, at Red Bluff, right? It was right? at Red Bluff. That's so a heck of a place that's to That's what start. I'm saying. I got thrown to the Wolves my very first time. We went to Red Bluff to race, and I remember the kids I was racing with, um, uh, they all really much, pretty much had, like, racing backgrounds. Like, Brian Huber, his dad, his uncle, you know, all those yeah. people, um, they've had a bunch of racing background, and my dad just pitted on a truck team, and he thought, you know, I can put my kid in here, and he'll know what to do. So... <laughs> That's what we did, and we showed up in a horse trailer, like I mentioned before, uh, nothing too fancy at all, and I do remember as a kid, when I would go to the track getting into it, uh, I would bring toys, and like, I don't know if you remember this, but like the die cast we have here, I would build tracks and crap right next to our trailer and yeah. build like a... Uh, outlaw or just you know just play and i wouldn't even focus on the race i was there to as, a, as a kid we were there as to a kid, hang right. out race and then play with our buddies after. oh 100 like that's why i remember i would get out of the car and you know i'd go find like blake my close friend uh cameron davis at the time we pitted next to him uh we would just mess around and have fun and so i uh definitely think like you know why why would i do that but it's it's you're your kid and you yeah. know growing up there watching the kids now do the same thing we did yeah we would literally run around the dang trees like all the kids would run around the trees we would race each other on foot and stuff like that so i remember my first races that's what we uh uh that's pretty much what we did like i just got in the car and drove and i didn't think anything i didn't have a racing mentality i yeah. just i didn't know what i was doing you know what i mean i just got this thing and uh, you know, a couple, you know, maybe a year or two or seasons, I guess you could say after Red Bluff, I started to get more like, obviously, you know, we're here to race, we're here to win and all this. And I, and one thing I remember as a kid racing, getting into it is 
uh, school and school being one of the things I hated most while I was racing because my teachers always asked, well, what do you want to be someday? And I was like, well, I want to be a race car driver. That's what I'm doing now. That's what I'm going to do. And they're like, no, you can't, you can't do that. And so I'd get pissed at them and we'd have show and tell days and I'm bringing trophies and, uh, all these kids are like, what, what is this? And they're all like, oh yeah, you race. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. you guys wouldn't even understand what it you'll, is. You'll actually like this. So I have the exact same story. So I had a show and tell day and I was, uh, I was in kindergarten. That's kind of when I guess that's, that's the that, same thing, thing as me. Yeah. So I was in kindergarten and it was my turn to do show and tell. And I brought all my gear. I didn't bring trophies cause I don't think I really had any trophies at the time, Yeah. but I'm dead serious. I dressed up gloves. <laughs> I have arm restraints just dangling around almost to yeah. my feet probably because you know you're such a you're so small I had my arm restraints I had my helmet and I remember just like my mom and dad carrying it in with me to like you know put in my spot to show everyone yeah and and just man it, it just it, it feels like yesterday almost that yeah. that was that but yeah it's just funny like I think a lot of racers that at least if you started at a young age and that's kind of part of what you did you know yeah. you wanted to tell everyone about it and and to me, it was always about like, you know, kind of saying you're, you're a NASCAR driver, you're, yeah, this, yeah. you're, you're a professional driver, you know, just at like five years yeah. old. Yeah. And that's one of the things too, is this is something I look back and I'm like, this is the dumbest thing ever because I had an actual buddy, um, same age as me in kindergarten. His name is Shad and he raced dirt bikes. Right. So we're the only ones that have an idea of auto racing, yeah. you know, dirt bikes, outlaw carts, and he would bring trophies too. And I would bring trophies. And it was always this war of like, whose sport is more dangerous. But if you look back at it, it's like, well, that's so dumb. Why do you care? What's yeah. what, like, do you really want to be known as being more? So, you know, and so, uh, I remember going through school, you know, all the kids were like, oh, it's racing. And then, and as obviously as you get older, it becomes more cool or impressive, I guess you could say is, oh, I'm a race car driver. And so, uh. I think I just remember, you know, showing up and racing and my dad really got into it and I got into it and my mom and we were dedicated Red Bluff every year. We would show up for the whole year um, and hit every race possible. And uh, that's pretty much where we grew up. And I do know at one point my dad uh, got into an open and I remember we had the same paint scheme, same cars. He raced it once and that was it because <laughs> we had a Kawasaki, a KX500. And for people that don't know, KX user run really good. Or they blow up and Pretty they don't. Yeah. So um, that's what happened. He ran a heat race and uh, he's a bigger guy. And he just, and you know, we we didn't have the best carts. And yeah, obviously the frame he had was way outdated. Yeah. Well, you probably didn't even really know a whole lot of what he was doing too. Right. You know, he's just having fun. And that's what he did. And he decided, yeah, we're going to get out of it. Because it was too hard for him to like uh, run the beginner box and then get into open and then set my car up and yeah. get into it. So uh, that's about as long as that lasted. And then, uh, ever since then, just, uh, that's where we met. And, uh, I think looking back at it, like, I don't know, um, racing wise, I think that's all I really cared about at once I learned what I was doing, like all their school sports and stuff. Like I did cross country, like you did baseball. I yeah. did baseball. I did basketball. Uh, those were fun and I enjoyed them. I just remember like thinking like, Oh, but it's it was, racing it, so much. Yeah, I think it was like almost because it was different in a right. way. Like it was like something different that not a lot of people did. And I had a couple things I wanted to bring up and kind of get your thoughts. So yeah. first off, do you remember kind of what some of the equipment you used when you first got started? Because oh. myself, 
So my parents were worried, but they were like they were willing to try the sport. Yeah. So I had a brand new helmet because they were they were scared and they made sure I had my yeah. neck restraint. And then also I remember we did have like one of these like ninety nine dollar fire suits. Like I think I still have it. And they made sure to get embroidered Tanner H. I think was yeah. on it. So that was that was my first set of you know gear. And then just like the the generic gloves yeah. and. I had, uh, like you said, the $99 suit. Yeah. <laughs> I had this helmet we got with the cart. And I remember I was in a race and I hit head on into the wall and I hit so hard the dang visor came up <laughs> and it was so loose on me. I told my dad, I said, I'm not doing this. Like, give me a dang helmet. This thing sucks. Like the freaking visor almost snapped <laughs> off from an impact. So I had that. I had this neck roll that I used for the longest time till I got a Hans. And then I had the spine seat and, uh, you know, looking back at it, it's like asking, like, I'm thinking to my parents, like, why would you put your kid in that? It, Cause like, I'm not a dad right now and I don't plan to be one anytime <laughs> soon, but I look at the kids and the safety equipment now. And I know for sure, like a good example, Owen Larson, Brody, literally all the, all the kids now they're running the best safety equipment. And I think that should be a standard because yeah. I do see some people that show up to the track with their kid for the first time and they don't have the best safety equipment. I think nowadays it's, it, there's really no excuse to say, uh, you know, we can't run this because I think, uh, at a kid that young age and how fast the carts are getting it's important, you definitely should have a full containment suit or see, um, a suit, a helmet, a Hans or whatever it is at the time, you know, maybe you could get away with a donut at, you know, a beginner box. But yeah, I think, uh, looking back, I'm like, how did my parents just yeah. put me in that stuff. You know what well, I mean? It's it's tough too, cause especially like some of you know some of these parents. Maybe they don't have all the funds because they're putting so much right, into the right. racing, and and it's like one of those things. I think no matter what, try not to sacrifice that Safety, because that yeah. that's exactly what needs to 100%. you know have everything into it. Yeah. And I think another thing to kind of bring up, uh, I was going to ask. I have two 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 topics. The yeah. first one being when you first started, like. How did, you know, obviously your dad's the one setting it up. My dad was the one setting it up or some of his buddies and you try to, you know, they're asking for help, but mm -hmm. you know, not coming from racing, you know, my dad had no idea what he was doing. No idea, you know, just yeah. try to put air in the tires. But like, as you try to get a little bit faster, you yeah. know, they're obviously going to want to try to do the right things to the race car. <laughs> and I think, you know, for a lot of dads nowadays that don't have a racing background, that's the hardest part. It's like, what do I do? Yeah. And so I know my dad actually, uh, read a lot of books like he, yeah. he my dad ordered some books about going fast and none really on an outlaw cart because those aren't necessarily out there but like the basic like flat cart like fast yep. asphalt dirt like what to what to do to make the car do this and that like did you guys do the same thing I think my dad did the same exact thing I think he also tried to apply a lot of asphalt stuff to dirt and he learned real quick that you can't do that just because that's what we do as a fan of NASCAR yeah. being on the truck team thinking like you know I can apply this to this when really an outlaw cart nothing yeah. you can't even apply really much sprint car stuff to an outlaw car it's very limited yes. and so that's what he did he did read up a lot about that and a quick mention there is uh trying new things I remember I was I was younger we had all my family come for West Coast Nationals and I think I was either lining up for the slow dash, fast dash, or the A-Main. It's one of the three things at West Coast Nationals. And they did the national anthem, and they fired me up. And uh, I don't know what they were doing. They were experimenting something. The damn piston went through the, <laughs> the roof of my uh, motor next to me, and I heard it hit the hit the the wing. And I was like, what the heck was that? And so we rolled it out. 
and there's a hole in my block and I'm like, what? And as a kid, you're like, oh, that sucks. But thinking back, I'm like, what did they try to do? Yeah, yeah. I was like, something was not legal yeah. if you're having bl- holes blown through your block. So I was like, uh, you know, crazy. they're just trying stuff. And I feel like back in the day, that's what you kind of had to do. Yeah, especially like the motor packages, you know, a lot of our stuff was just like the Briggs. And so you right. could really, I mean, I'm pretty sure some of the kids I was racing with had some pretty cheated up stuff. Oh, and everyone did. It's yeah, like, it's just that you can't really thing. sugarcoat it. Yeah. I mean, that's just what you that's did. That's just what they were going for. And like, actually looking back as well, like I'm so thankful that my dad did put the the time and the effort in. Cause I, I, I think about it, you know, at the time you don't notice you're seven, yeah. eight years old, but like I would walk into my dad's room and he would, he would spend hours reading right. these books about how to make a car go fast. And like, yeah. that was really the beginning of, you know, the, I mean, obviously the whole time he put effort in, but like, I mean, that was just over the top, like half the reason why we, you know, maybe progressed in certain ways, like in beginner, you know, we did start winning some races or box stock. We started winning races because yeah. my dad did ask questions, but also, you know, wasn't, wasn't afraid to, to try to gain that knowledge and, and yeah. learn how to set up the cars, you know, on his own kind of coming from scratch. And that's something I got to give props to my dad too, because I know for the longest time, and I'll admit it, I don't think until two fifties, you know, end of my 250 career to open career that I gave a crap about setup. Cause I always put it on him. I'm like, this is what the car is wrong. This is what I need you to do. And then I started to realize this is more of a team sport. And so I told my dad, I was like, okay, you know, let me help. Uh, you know, I want to wash the car. I want to help set it up. I want to learn the ins and outs of the chassis. And I think that's why now, uh, in an outlaw car, I'm confident in setting up someone's stuff yeah. and helping them. <laughs> and he knows now, um, a lot. And I could tell him exactly what I need now. And he knows what to do. And I think one of the biggest things he ever learned um, at the Red Bluff Outlaws, and I learned as well, is what's going to work for you isn't going to work for me. Yeah. And a lot of people think there's a magic number in setting up outlaw carts, and that's not the case. It's really, you know, what's going to fit your driving style and how can you get the car around the track the smoothest and straightest? Yeah, it's got to, in anything, like, the driver's got to be comfortable. Yeah. And I think sometimes a lot of people do fall into that trap of, like, you know, this setup works for yeah. this guy. Why does it not work for you? And why does it not work for me? Well, we just all ultimately drive the car differently. Yeah. And, you know, my my dad and I kind of had that similar relationship. And in, in another person, I do got to give a shout-out. We were actually just at his shop because you were getting a couple things. Yeah. But uh, Rick Rapp. So, Rick... Here from Southern Oregon, he has a parts shop, mm-hmm. and he actually used to drive down to the Red Bluff Outlaws a lot during my early career before I was fortunate enough to earn my QRC ride, but he was another guy that helped a ton with like setting up and yeah. giving my dad some of that knowledge because he had a, a background in not only dirt racing, but asphalt, so like he, he just knew a lot of stuff. He was involved. Yep. So um, between him and then, like I said earlier, uh, Bob Bob Nelson is his name. He he was a, a huge part of me getting started, and then my dad and my family for just supporting me and, and not giving up on me and yeah. uh, you know not not quitting because uh, actually a funny story that I have to tell because I don't think I said this in my video. But uh, when I was going slow in the early stages, you had Bob, you had my dad, and they would always sit on the fence. And my dad was getting so frustrated, getting so mad, you know, like I said, doing the arm signals, doing everything. And my dad was going to just like chew me out when he got back. Cause I, I didn't, I think it was a heat race or hot laps. Like I just, I wasn't on the gas. Yeah. And, uh, and so Bob, you know, Bob was a good uh, mediator. I guess you could say he was trying to encourage my dad. Like, yo, of course he's not fast. Like, you know, this is, this is crazy. This yeah. is racing. Like he doesn't know what's going on. 
and he said, John, before you before you rip him a new one, at least try to tell him one thing he does good every single time. Like try to yeah. encourage him before you really try to, you know, change something. And he's and my dad would tell him, What if he didn't do anything good? He's not doing anything yeah. good, you know. So it's just funny how, you know, the the things change and now, you know, our parents look at, you know, other other parents getting started and like, oh, they're so crazy. But yeah. you know, we were in those shoes at you know one point yeah i uh i definitely gotta say a big thanks to my dad mom and my grandparents were at every race like they showed up to every single race and we would go to my uh grandparents house when they used to live next to us and we'd scale at their shop and then uh the next day would be saturday and we'd go down as a family and uh they made it to every single race so a big shout out to my grandparents as well for helping and my grandpa always you know was there to help and uh, when things got a little physical, he was always there to back <laughs> up my dad. So uh, that's just a funny thing, too. Uh, you know, a quick mention, we're racing beginner boxes, right? And my dad's a hothead. Well, I, I wouldn't say he's a hothead, but, you know, he... he there's a trigger point. There's right? a trigger point, all right? So, uh, you know, we may have been in a few, uh, you know, dust-ups and Red Bluff and that, or whatnot. That, that, that Red Bluff's that place, And that's man. what it is. And so, uh, he, yeah, my grandpa always backed him up and it was always down there. And uh, my dad... You know, we would get so like they would be getting in arguments or maybe a fight afterwards here and there at yeah. Red Bluff after a beginner box heat race. I remember that. And I was like thinking back, you're like, yeah, it was a big deal. But looking back at it, I was like, that's so dumb. Like they're kids. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Probably the contact was so unintentional. Especially but if it's not for like, OK, I get it. Maybe if the beginner kids are like at the point where they're advanced, where they're seven or eight, you yeah. know, and they're kind of starting to understand And there is it. those kids. And there 100%. are there are the kids that are good. And like maybe you're battling for wins and championships. Right. I get, you know, at that point, you know, the kids understand it enough to where like they know what's going on. Yeah. But especially when it's like the kids that are like running fifth or sixth <laughs> in a heat race and they're just starting yep. and the parents are like literally so about bad. to just yeah. like throw down in the hot yeah. pit. Over and I'm not going to criticize anyone because we were there, but I'm going to say nowadays, like, you know, just there's a time and place and you just yeah. got to look kids. at it. It's kids. Yeah. It's kids. And I think that's a, that's a good segue into just one quick topic to bring up. Like, just when you really think about, like, I don't know, sometimes I break things down and I kind of like, you know, just the concept of racing, but yeah. also the fact that, you know, nowadays, especially some kids are getting started at three and four years old. Like when you think at really like where these kids are at, at oh, yeah. three, four, even five and, and getting into six, like how, you know, you see, you know, what a five or six year old looks like, how young they are. Yeah. And you think of putting them in these machines where they're actually going 30, 40 miles an hour, like mm -hmm. you're putting them in a pretty big spot. Yeah. You know, uh, obviously, you know, stuff can happen. And especially when, you know, at that stage, you know, you don't know what's going on. You really yeah. don't. And, and then also to think about just like where, as you transition, like how you gain these skills in racing and, yeah. you know, you start out not knowing anything. And, you know, I think part of it is because you don't have that mentality of racing. Yeah. You're not, you're not thinking about going fast. You're not thinking about winning. You don't get it. But like, as you start to get it, just like how you kind of change in the sport and the lessons you learn and the the memories you make, it, it's kind of just such a, a cool concept. And I think, you know, obviously a lot of people want to have that chance of racing. And unfortunately, yeah. there's a lot of kids and stuff that don't get the opportunity. You know, we were in good spots. Like like I said, the fact that I ended up being a race car driver and had the chance, right. I don't know. Because I could have been, I could have been in multiple other things, not yeah. coming from a racing family, but just the just the chance and uh, you know what what racing is to me when I think about it it's just it's really really insane yeah absolutely and if you look at the it, so I'm pretty confident when I say if I put myself in the equipment I had versus like someone like Brody Reynolds a standout in the beginner box class 
uh, they would run circles around us because uh, they've got great equipment now. Like the the technology has advanced so yeah. much, which I think is really, really unique as well. And why these kids are advancing so much yeah. and being so fast. But it's also funny to think like, I'm so confident. I would put money on, you know, maybe Owen Larson, Brody Reynolds, Bentley Nelson. They could go whoop all of my friends that are my age yeah. butts at like indoor karting. Yeah. It's like those kids now, like they, they're so developed yeah. and it's crazy to watch how young people are winning. Like Ty Gibbs, he just won his first Xfinity series race at how old is he? Like, yeah, he's, I think he's not even eight, 20. I think he's 18. Yeah. 18. And it's like, I always look back and I was like, okay, I want to be a NASCAR by when I'm 18. And then I got re- like, you know, you, you start get hit with the realization yeah. like, okay, it doesn't work like that. But like these kids are in super late models, so young and these like even junior sprint late cars, models, sprint I mean, cars, right? 12, 13, four. I mean, you can run a limited at 14, depending I, where you're at. I know yeah. that there's definitely some kids that are trying to stretch, you know, stretch it and run at 12, yeah. run at 13, even younger. And yeah, I think that's such a, a valuable point, you know, not even just in outlaw carts. I'm not uh, really familiar with the micro ranks, but I know that there's a lot of kids starting young too, yeah. because you have junior sprints and then right into restricted for, where in outlaw carts, you know, you have beginner or, you know, you even go below that. They have like predator motors that they yeah. throw on there when the kids are three or four years old. So it's going to be really cool to see over the next like 20 years. Yeah. And even as technology advances, but like these kids getting started, not only it's so young, yeah. but how many races you could run. Oh. See, when I started, you know, I was running maybe a nine race summer schedule, you know, 12. Southern, Southern Oregon had nine, 12 yeah. races. Yeah. Red Bluff, Red Bluff had 12. 12, 12, 13 points races with nationals. You know, you start to look at that and now it's like the opportunity is you can run all of Red Bluff. Yeah. You can run probably a handful of shows at Lakeport, which is a little bit South and there's yeah. other tracks. So you can run maybe 15 to 20 shows in the winter time. And then Cyclan is a 20 race schedule, if not a little bit more, Yeah, you know, so you can run 40 races at the age of five or six years old. Like yeah. it's, it's mind blowing versus, you know, what we had maybe 10 years ago. So the talent is only going to increase. And you, you threw out some names, you know, Owen Larson, Kyle's son, he was incredible at five years old at yeah. Red Bluff. Brody Reynolds is a kid that's coming up. Corbin C, he just moved into 250s. He's a little older. He's one of my buddies. And um, there's just the list of names in beginner and box stock is just incredible. Also, once again, we can utilize this tool. When you were that age, I had, I had, you know, I had die cast on the carpet. That's how I learned racing and played racing. Nowadays, these kids less than five years old can get on their dad's sim rig, simulator rig and play iRacing. And like right there, if the kid starts to learn, like you can learn so much on iRacing as a kid. And I think once they realize it's not a game and yeah. it's, it's a tool or, yeah, it can be and, used a, and a, a lot of them do use it as a tool. I mean, it is a game, but a lot of them do use it as a tool. It just develops them so quick. Well, and even the great Dale jr. Has said that exact thing. If you yeah. throw a kid on a simulator at a young age and he starts to learn things, uh, you know, they're going to turn out to be really good. And, and yeah. I agree because just the basics happen faster. You know, you learn what green flag means. You learn what yellow means, you know, learn yeah. what white checkered. You also learn what dirty racing is and black yeah. flag and what tearing up your equipment looks like. If you flip, yes, it's a game, but a simulator, yeah. but that's just uh, that's just how it rolls. So yeah, the tools are increasing and the chance is increasing and, you know, for more seat time. So yeah, the next, uh, the next 15 to 20 years, you know, I think we're going to see some pretty stout kids that yeah. are just starting, just getting started or have started within the last five years. It's going to be fun to watch and we're going to have to watch our backs because <laughs> they're going to develop pretty quickly. So now, to wrap up today's episode of off the track here on my phone i actually have a couple of fan questions that you guys sent in relating to the topic of getting started and they wanted to hear our thoughts possibly we could help them out 
So the first one being, if you were getting started today as a racer, but you have all the knowledge that you now have, but you're getting started at a young age. So obviously like a five-year-old, you know, you're not the ones making that decision, but if you were getting started, um, how would you do it? And would you change anything maybe about, you know, your story of how, how we did it? Um, I would just go out there and yard everyone. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, no, what I would do is Obviously, I would know. Uh, one one thing I, that I would do is now knowing how much goes into racing off the track, um, I would put in a lot more time learning how the car works, uh, what I'm feeling behind the wheel, and then uh, being able to uh, tell that to my dad, and so he would know specifically what I need, and uh, just you know understanding setup a lot more. Uh, so that way I could just be a lot faster so I could know what's wrong because back in the day I just drove the dang yeah. car. I didn't know what was going on. 100%. So, uh, that's pretty much what I would do. Yeah, I can agree because, you know, that, that setup stuff helps make that progression and that yeah. progress, you know, so much faster when you are driving a fast well, car. Well, you, you can probably agree with this. Knowing, I, once I learned under, once I learned and understood how a race car works, being behind the wheel of it is a lot better because you know exactly what you're feeling and you know exactly what you're looking for to improve your speed. Yeah, it helps you give better feedback, which I think as a driver is like one of the most crucial things. If you right. can't give good feedback to whoever's helping you or give good feedback to yourself, if you're yeah. the one setting up the car, like what good is it? You don't you don't know what's going on. Right. So for sure, yeah, at a younger age, that if you can pick that up sooner than kids, that's where you're going to start passing people. And that, yeah. that's where you're going to be, you know, light years ahead. On the side also, though, of just like, you know, getting started carts, outlock or carts, I should say micros or flat carts or anything Anything, like that. I would just say if you are younger and you're wanting to get started, try to do some research on your area, like where you're from, try to find out what's popular because unfortunately outlaw carts, even though I would recommend them, you know, they're not everywhere. There's not outlaw cart tracks everywhere. You know, they're very sectional across the United States. You're pretty fortunate to be close to a big Oh, the fact, like I said, I was lucky to be a racer. I'm lucky that I grew up in Southern Oregon where we had racing and we had racing also just a little bit South. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a stretch where you could drive maybe 10 or 12 hours as far as, you know, central and almost Southern California up here to central Oregon, you know, maybe a little bit farther than 12 hours, but you know, in that, in that region, you know, where there's a good handful of outlaw cart tracks and you know, whatever exit you got to take off I five, you can land at a couple of pretty, pretty neat places. I'm pretty confident when I say, um, I guess you could say Salem doesn't really run too much anymore, but Roseburg to Lakeport, even that's a little it. bit farther that's, south with Chowchilla and right. Bakersfield. But I was going to say, that's pretty much the main the main field of, yeah. r- of tracks that you're seeing these NASCAR drivers come from. But now that we're seeing uh, all these, you know, a good amount of places in the Midwest, like Millbridge, uh, places in Texas pop up, uh, they're starting to produce some pretty stout racers. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of talent in outlaw carts. So I would say if I were to get started, you know, outlaw carts if I could, but if flat carts popular in your area, get good at flat carts and yeah. figure out, you know, what that pathway looks like or micros. I know that's yeah. that's really rising in the dirt track racing world. So micros, if that's if that's where you live close, you yeah. got to get a junior sprint. That is the the route you need to take. And if you have a flat cart like on a road cart, and we've seen this at Red Bluff, Dominic Gordon, I believe, comes from the flat cart background. Yeah, on on road. A course. lot of them can transfer over because right. there's so many things to learn that actually help you in a cart because it's hard to be smooth. It's hard to right. you know hold the wheel at the right in the right spot. Right. So nothing's gonna. I guess you could say nothing's going to limit you in your progression. Yeah. 
yeah. anything you can get into is gonna. Yeah, it's more you. seat time. It's more experience. And and like I said, I wouldn't I wouldn't change my story for anything because I think every little thing that happens, yeah. you know, just like for a, a lot of people, you know, that's what makes you into the racer that you are or puts you in the spot. Because if things were different, heck, you, like for example, you know, we we might not have ever met. We might not have had the podcast. We yeah. might not have started a YouTube channel. Like you start looking at little things if you analyze it. You know, I'm happy with you know how our stories went. So uh, moving on now to our second and final fan question tanner i'm 16 years old and i'm or am i too late to get started in racing and also if i don't have any financial help how would i do it yeah so i think what i would say to that first off you're never too late to get started in dirt track racing ever you know if you start young there's obviously advantages to that but also starting a little bit later, you know, for example, Kyle Larson started when he was seven years old. Yeah. Even if you're eight, nine, you know, there are, I wouldn't necessarily say there's advantages. You know, the later you start, obviously, you're going to feel behind. Yeah. But no matter what, if you're starting at 16, you know, that's a good time I to th- go out there and get in a bigger car yeah. and kind of jump right into that. I think that learning curve is cut down significantly when you're starting a little bit older because you're start, you, yes. you understand, you're able to retain information yeah. and work on that a lot so faster. So in a way, there's advantages. Right. And so one thing I also want to add to that is uh, you're never too old to race because, you know, you might start, let's say you're starting when you're 30, you might not have the best odds to make it into cup, but if you're racing (laughs) for the same reason, everyone else is behind the wheel of a race car, it's to have fun. Yeah. And I don't care what I'm racing. If I'm at a racetrack on Saturday night with you or any friends or driving anything, I'm having fun. So if you want to have fun, just race. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I agree. I know so many people, you know, want to make it big time, want this glory, this fame, yeah. the money, whatever, you know, whatever you do it for. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, we're just so blessed to be at a racetrack on yeah. a Friday, a Saturday night, or, you know, if maybe even in, you know, better situations, you're racing all the time. Like, yeah. for example, you know, we have a big schedule this year and we're super blessed to have that opportunity to chase that. So yeah, for sure. I think uh, you're never too late, you know, just what I would encourage real advice in the sense of, you know, if you are 16, 17, you kind of have to do the same research as if you're younger, you know, you have to kind of figure out what's popular in your area, what's your local racetracks look like. And, you know, that learning curve is going to be way slower because, you know, if, or are going to be happen faster and there's not going to be as much of a learning curve because you've been at the races, you're kind of more of a fan, hopefully. And if you're, if you're starting later, one thing I would encourage is really learn how to work on the yeah. cars. You know, maybe before you get started, get your name involved. Try yeah. to work with teams, you know, try to be a mud scraper. I know there are a lot of teams out there, especially on the local level that don't have a lot of help. Yeah. They would buy your pit pass every single weekend. If you, you showed up there on time to help and learn how to put air in tires, yeah. you know, mount stuff, you know, wipe down the car with WD-40 or clean it and scrape mud after mud pack. Like teams are really interested in, in getting people involved because there, unfortunately, there yeah. isn't actually a lot of kids that are kind of wanting to take that side of things right. and be a crew guy at first and, and learn the ropes. So that's what I would really suggest. Now, on the flip side of that, say you're 16, 17, you want to get into it. Now you don't have the funds. Well, the oh, funds, yeah, yeah. the funds, um, that's an issue that's obviously a little bit harder because it's kind of out of your control. Yeah. But today's now in today's day and age, I think it's a lot easier to uh, be able to Absolutely. get funds. And I, I took this information from... He used to be the scale man at Red Bluff. His name's Tony. And uh, he told me this one time. He told this to me and my dad, and he works at the local O'Reilly's uh, by our house. And he told us this. He said, if you asked 100 people for a million dollars, you're bound to get a million dollars, right? And obviously, that's not necessarily literal. But today's day and age, 
if you need funds, you got to go out and find them. You know, yeah. I've asked so many people, been turned down by so many people, but you know, there are the people that want to support me. They understand what I'm doing. They understand my background. They understand what I want to do. They follow my dream. You're bound to get some funds somewhere. And there's always people that, um, you know, might be looking for tax write-offs, learn the business side of things. And I think there's always potential to get money to fund your racing. I think you could agree. I would agree. And it, it's very, it's tough. It's like, you know, it's one of those things. It's like easier said than done. Right, like someone right. can, you know, you could, I, I could make a class yeah. or we, you could make a course, but like, it's really a hard thing to do. But like Bennett said, you know, a lot of it just goes into like putting in that time and effort. And I think you just gotta, you gotta try to be the best in that category right. as a racer. And I think a lot of racers don't, not, not that they, I actually don't want to say that because I don't want to say that they don't, but you know, maybe that that's an area that it's easy to get missed because it is difficult, you yeah. know, to be presentable and, and be, um, you know, kind of check all the boxes in that yeah. area. But I would say like really put time and effort on how to be presentable and how to be better than all the racers that you are in a way competing against for yeah. money, because there is maybe limit there, you know, there's only so many companies that do want to support racing. You got to find them and whatnot. And then also, you know, use any, if you do have connections, you know, maybe your parents know family, a bit, uh, you, you know, know, family, friends. family, friends, and that, and then also, you know, just uh, circum circumstances, anything like that, try to take advantage of. I know if there's any females watching the podcast, I will say you have a good chance of getting sponsorship because I've actually talked to a couple fans that were females that wanted to get because started. Because you're racing in a male-dominated sport. Exactly. So, you know, take advantage of those circumstances, but put as much time and effort into it. And then also, whatever your skills are that are good about your racing, I would say show off your, you yeah. know, it, once you get started, like for example, you know, we do the videos, but maybe you're not, um, you know, maybe you don't want to be in front of a camera, yeah. whatever you do in racing, maybe you're a good writer, like learn how to write articles about your racing. And that's yeah. how you promote your sponsors or that, or, you know, a, a podcast or some sort of show or little, even just GoPro footage, like right. little things that, you know, are really enticing to sponsors and get them excited. And, and so I would say that, and also, you know, one of the things that I, I'm really trying to work on is like, once yeah. you do get sponsors, spend as much time as possible keeping them involved right. because it's a lot easier to keep a sponsor than to go find a new right, one. Right. So uh, that that would be my biggest advice. And like I said, easier said than done. And I'm that's the one area of my career that I want to get continue to get better at and try to yeah. be the best because, man, there's so much opportunity. Right. And I think the best way to sum it up for me to tell you is if you put hard work and dedication you get turned down a lot, it won't go unnoticed. And yeah. I think that's something that um, a lot of people, you know, just keep going. Yeah. Your hard work will go noticed sometime. It's not going to go unnoticed. So uh, I think that's one thing we really want to excel at. And I think we're getting a lot better at it as well. 100%. Yeah. Make connections, you know, put that, put that hard work, put that effort into it. And it, it's going to pay off yep. eventually. You know, there are a lot of people that want to support dirt track racers. So you'll get your opportunity. Absolutely. So that is going to kind of uh, wrap up here. Episode 16. Hopefully you enjoyed just Bennett and I, but really telling our stories and yep. it is cool. That's like something awesome about the podcast, like really sharing stuff that yeah. happened in our career and you can break it down because man, you know, I've been racing now. So if I started 2000, end of 2008 and now it's 2021, I mean, that's, yeah. that, that's my whole life, you know, pretty yeah. much just at the dirt track and it, it's just crazy you know all the people you meet um you know the connections that you make and now the lifelong uh lifelong friendships you know i don't know what i would have been doing for that time i would have been pretty bored from yeah. 2008 to 2021 if i wasn't a racer yeah i'm going on 14 15 years of racing i don't even know at this point but uh i can tell you one thing the train ain't stopping yeah. He's going to keep on rolling. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to wrap up episode number 16. Let us know what your thoughts were in the comments section down below. 
you guys want to, you can listen uh, on Apple Podcast or Spotify if you love to listen to the audio version. We get a lot of cool comments over there and yep. ratings. And then also here on the YouTube channel every single Wednesday at 3.30. I guess we'll see you guys all in episode uh, 17 as we continue to roll into summer. And man, we have some exciting weeks oh, ahead yeah. of us. So we will see you guys all in the next one. We are signing off for today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are watching Off the Track, and it is time to drop the hammer.